Welcome to Empowered for Life, a weekly audio podcast with Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, teaching the Bible with clarity and relevance, tackling today's topics and issues, bringing healing and restoration into the lives of hurting people. Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here with podcast episode number eight, Accessing Kingdom Teachings that Relate to Daily Living. Hello. Today we want to look at the prophecies concerning Jesus, and today we want to look at prophecies concerning his office. We want to look at the prophecies concerning his office. So we will look at prophecies concerning prophet, priest, and king. And we will begin looking at the office of the prophet. Prophet, what is a prophet? Prophets are extension gifts that are set in the church to produce a hunger for the voice and the word of God. Prophets receive and communicate the mind and the will of God. Prophets unlocked mysteries of the word of God, bring conviction to sin, and focus the believer on an intimate, spiritual, and holy life. Prophets are spokesmen of God. The grace on the prophet is to impart to the believer a hunger for the rhema word of God, for the voice of God. The basic foundation of the New Testament prophet is for edification, exaltation, and for comfort. What then is a prophet? A prophet is a person who represents God before the people. As a prophet, he speaks for God with words that are truthful and trustworthy. So we see here that Jesus comes in the office of a prophet. Now, there are many people who acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet, and there are many other religions that acknowledge it as well but they do not accept him as the son of God. They merely want to confine him to the office of the prophet. But even in confining him to the office of the prophet, they do not even look at him as being the last prophet, for they look at other prophets coming after him as being the final voice of God. However, let's look at prophecies concerning Jesus coming as the prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 reads like this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Now, this is Moses speaking. Moses says the Lord God is going to raise up a prophet like me. And he's going to raise him up from among your brothers. So he's speaking to the nation of Israel and telling them that this prophet is going to come up through the nation of Israel. Look at verse 18 in chapter 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will teach them everything I command him. Here we see that this prophet is going to have the word of the Lord in his mouth. And when he teaches, he will teach with such power, such authority, such conviction 
that this word will be the very word of God. It will be the words that God commands him to speak. Now we hear Jesus making this confession himself. He says, the words I speak are not my own. I say what I hear my father say. So we see Jesus actually speaking what the Father God would say to him. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 35. A voice came from a cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Another translation said this way, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So here we see God the Father speaking as to the authenticity of Jesus the Christ, that he is indeed the Son of God, that he is this prophet spoken of by Moses that would come. The Jewish people were looking for a, a Messiah. They were looking for a prophet to come. They were expecting the coming of a great prophet. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord have anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He have sent me to bind up the broken heart and to proclaim freedom to the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Here we see Jesus, the prophecy concerning Jesus' coming is that the spirit of the Lord would be upon him. This description of the Messiah and his anointing is commissioning empowering him for his mission and his ministry. So we see that as the Spirit of the Lord is on him, the Spirit of the Lord gives him the ability to preach. This anointing is to preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom to the poor, to allow them to know that there is a way of being rich and wealthy by coming back into the kingdom of God. He is sent, he was sent to bind up the broken heart for those who are broken hearted to let them know that there is healing for their emotional wounds and to proclaim freedom for the captive. He came to set the captive free. You may be bound by an addiction, bound by uh, um, some type of bondage, something that you've been going through and trying to free yourself of and have been unable to, to get free of that thing in and of yourself. But I want you to know today that a part of the anointing that was upon Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, this prophet, in whom God would raise up like unto his brother Moses would come and he would come with the power and the authority to break the yoke, to destroy the yokes of bondage and to set the captive free, to release from darkness those who were in prison. Now this isn't just referring to those who are confined behind steel bars because there are many people who are in prison that are not confined 
behind steel bars. They are in prison even though they are walking the streets. They live in darkness. They have not seen the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have not received the revelation of the truth of God's word. They don't know that they can be free from every kind of addiction, every kind of bondage, every kind of adversity that the enemy would try to uh, imprison them with, that Jesus came to set them free and to reveal the light of truth so that they would no longer be in sin and imprisoned by the enemy. He came to proclaim the Lord's favor, the favor of the Lord, the, the year of grace, that, that the grace of God, the unmerited favor, undeserved favor, that God would accept you because you have accepted his son, because you have received everything that his son did, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the blood of Jesus would cover you that you would be free and separated from sin, that you would not have to deal with the wrath and the vengeance of God. Jesus came to bring us that. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. He is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Here, the prophecy is concerning Jesus. God says he put his, his, he put his spirit on Jesus that he delights in Jesus and that Jesus will bring justice to the nations. So we see here that Jesus is God's prophet to the nations. Verse two, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. So you see, he's not going to just shout and cry out and raise his voice in the streets, but he is a bruised reed he will not be broken. He is the son of the living God. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter three, verse 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So here we see at Jesus' baptism that the Holy Spirit comes upon him, but God also makes it known that he is indeed the Son of God. So not only is he a prophet, but he's also the Son of the living God. Now let's look at the prophecies concerning Jesus as a priest. What is a priest? He represents the people before God. As a priest, Jesus offered the final sacrifice for sins by offering his own body as death on the cross. So the priests were the ones who would represent the people before God. 
by offering the sacrifices and the offerings at the temple so that the people would be forgiven of their trespasses and their sins. Here we see Jesus as priest. Let's look first of all at Psalms 110 verse 4. Psalms 110 verse 4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Here we see the word of God says, the Lord, if you note in your scripture or you're following this in your scripture, you will see that the word Lord here is used with all uppercase letters. Normally when you find in the word of God, the word Lord written with uppercase letters and those with a uppercase L and lowercase letters, they refer to the Lordship differently. Here this word Lord refers to the name Jehovah. So it would read, Jehovah has sworn or God has sworn and he will not change his mind. One scripture say, says it this way, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. What he has spoken, he will bring it to pass. And here he says that the Lord Jesus, the Christ, would be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is mentioned in the Old Testament after Abraham had the victory over the slaughter of the kings. This was after his nephew Lot had been captured uh, by the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and was taken away with all of his possessions as, sla as slaves to these kings. And Abram went and defeated the kings and took back his nephew and their possessions and they went before the priest of the Lord in that day who was Melchizedek. The Bible said Melchizedek was the priest of Salem. He was the priest of the Lord Most High. He had no beginning or ending of days, meaning that they didn't know when he began or when he would end. And that's what is said here when it says you are a priest forever. You have no beginning and you have no ending. You are forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And the Bible says that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all, a tenth being a tithe. So here we see that Abraham even paid tithes to Melchizedek before the law, before Moses even established the law and put into the law the tithe, Abraham paid tithes. And even when we get to the scripture later, it says that Levi paid tithes in Abraham when he was in the loin of Abraham. In other words, as Abraham paid tithe, that gave the tenth, he was giving a tenth and paying tithe or, or uh, giving a tithe unto the priest of the Lord for not only him, but for all of his descendants who would come. But here we see that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So again, we see in Numbers 
chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a human or man that he should lie, nor a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? What it's saying to us is that God, when he speaks, he acts on what he speaks. When he promises, he fulfills whatever he has promised. And here the prophecy says that Christ would be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Look at Zechariah 6, 13 and 14. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and he will set and rule on his throne and he will be a priest on his throne and there will be harmony between the two. So here we see the prophecy is that he will be a priest who will sit on the throne. We say we will look at the prophecies concerning him as prophet, priest, and king. So here we see that the two, the priest and the king, will be in harmony, in unity. They will be one in Christ as he would be the one who sits on the throne. Look at Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. So here we see uh, the bread and wine referring to the first communion. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abraham, Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. So the priest of Salem blesses Abraham before God. God says Jesus would be like Melchizedek or in the order, in the order of Melchizedek. So as being in the order of Melchizedek, he will also pronounce a blessing upon us. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10. And was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Here we see that God designated Jesus. God is the one who made Jesus to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let's look here at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 15 and 16. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appeared, one who has not become a priest, not on the basis of of a regulation as to his ancestors, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So it's referring to the fact that Christ has an indestructible life and that he is eternal, he is forever, and he will be our priest forever. He will forever represent us before God. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of being a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, Today I have become 
your father. Look at John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 54. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. So here Jesus makes the statement that he is the son of God and that it is the father who gives him the glory to be who he is. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make an atonement for the sins of the people. So here we see that he had to be made fully human. He had to be like us in every way. Some people will say, how can Jesus be the son of God? God had no son. How can he be God? Here we see that he had to be made fully human. He had to be like us in every way in order that he would be merciful and that he would be faithful so that he can represent us before God and so that he could make an atonement for our sins, so that our sins might be forgiven. For the Bible lets us know, and we've discussed it, that Adam and Eve committed an act of treason by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that as a result of that, all mankind was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And so it didn't make a difference as to what you do, it made a di the, the very fact that you were born, you were born a sinner. So you could be morally good and you could do a lot of good for mankind. But if you have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted the atoning sacrifice that he made for your sin and mine, then we are still sinners. So we have to accept what he has done in order for us to be reconciled back to the Father, in order for us to be redeemed, in order for us to be purchased, in order for us to be a new creation, in order for us to be born again so that we can become sons of the living God, so that we can live in the kingdom of God, so that we can be declared the righteousness of God, we have to start by accepting the fact that Jesus, our faithful high priest, paid the price for our sin. If we take away that, then there is no hope of salvation. Look at Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's decrees. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance to the ends of the earth. Notice what God does here. He proclaims that the Lord Jesus is his son and that he gives to him the nations as an inheritance. And Jesus proclaims that he will declare the decrees of the Lord. He will speak the word of God. He will speak 
the truth of God's word. What comes out of his mouth would indeed be the very word of God. Let's look at Isaiah chapter, chapter 40, verse 11. He tends the flock like a shepherd, for we know that he is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carried them close to his heart. So you see, we're like lambs carried close to the heart of the shepherd. He gently leads those that have young. He leads us and guides us, directing us into all truth so that we would get to know the Father. He reveals the Father's heart to us so that we would know the love that God has for us. Take a look at Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. This is Isaac blessing Joseph. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who have been my shepherd all the days of my life. Here he refers to God as being his shepherd. God was his protector, his leader, his guide, who led him and kept him close to his heart. Look at John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So here we see Jesus making the claim that he is a good shepherd and that as a good shepherd, he would be willing and he would lay down his life for the sheep to make sure that we were not devoured by the enemy, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. He would make it possible that we could be freed from the enemy's grips. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father know me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Here we see Jesus identifying himself again. Number one, he is the good shepherd. Number two, he identifies the sheep recognizing and knowing who he is. And number three, he says, he knows the father and the father knows him. And the father knows that he, he will and willingly lays his life down on behalf of the sheep. Look at 10, uh, chapter 10 here of John, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Here he says, the sheep recognizes his voice and in recognizing his voice, where he leads, the sheep follow. We looked at even in the prophecies concerning the prophet, that God spoke to Moses and told him that he would raise up another prophet like him. But look here in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, a conversation between Moses and the Lord God. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. So we see here that God recognizes Moses even in this day as a shepherd who would lead his people 
or the sheep from a land of bondage into a land of promise. Jesus would lead us from a land of bondage, from sin, from addictions, from bondage into freedom, into liberty, into life, into a relationship with God the Father. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. So Jesus saying, the Father has committed everything to him. No one knows the Son except the Father. There were those even in that day who did not know who he was, but God knew that he was his Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He says, even those that he chose to reveal himself, they were the only ones who knew who he was, those who he chose to reveal himself. And we know he chose 12 disciples and the 12 disciples which became apostles or those who were closest, his, what we call his inner circle, who he revealed himself to in that day. And they came to know who he was. They came to know that he was the good shepherd. They came to know that he was the prophet sent by God. They came to know that he was the priest of the Lord God who came after the order of Melchizedek. They came to know that he was and is the son of God. Look at John's gospel chapter 10 verse 17. Jesus speaking here. He says, the reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority, I have power, I have the ability to lay it down and the authority, the power, the ability to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So here Jesus is saying God loves him because he knows that he's going to be a faithful high priest because he knows that he will make the atonement needed for the sin of the people, that he would willingly lay his life down, that he would put his life on the line, that he would go to Calvary's cross. For the Bible says, cursed is every man that hangeth upon a tree, that he would go to the cross and bear our sin. He would bear our sickness. He would bear our diseases. He would bear our generational curses. He would bear our iniquity. He would bear them in his body on the cross. He would die for us that we don't have to die. And But he would not stay dead. He would be raised from the dead. He would lay his body down and then he would get up again for he had the authority and the power to do it. And he was showing us that as well, that as we receive him as Lord and Savior, that death would not be able to hold our bodies down. Death wouldn't be the final victory over us, that we would have victory over death and that we too would be able to live eternally in the presence of an eternal God and that we would have the ability to worship him and to magnify, to glorify, and to praise him throughout eternity because we have accepted the sacrifice that Jesus put upon the altar for our sins. That was 
his body. Let's take a look at the prophecies concerning Jesus as king. What is a king? A king. A king is one invested with authority. A male ruler of a country who usually inherits his position as ruler for life. A male monarch of a major territory. So when we refer to Jesus as being king, he inherited the territory the earth because it was given him by God as the son of God for the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is one with the right to rule and he has been invested with the authority. He has been given the power both Deuteronomy and exousia to rule this earth. A king rules the people of God. Jesus rules the people of God as king. Jesus is the ultimate ruler over all, requiring absolute allegiance and obedience to him and to the word of God. Jesus requires absolute obedience and allegiance to him and the word of God. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, riding and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a coat, on the fowl of a donkey. Here we see the announcement of the king coming, Zion's king coming. And if you remember, before Jesus' crucifixion, there was a triumphant entry of him into Jerusalem and that he came riding on the donkey or the coat of a donkey. And as he rode into the city, they hailed him with palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They hailed him as a king. They recognized that he was the king. Isaiah 62 and 11 says, The Lord has made proclamations to the ends of the earth, saying, Daughter Zion, see your Savior comes. See his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. Referring to Jesus Christ. In 1 Kings 1.39, Zadok, the priest, took a horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sound the trumpet and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. Even the kings of that day was anointed in order to function in their office. Look at Psalm 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, ye ancient doors. The King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Here we see the prophecy concerning the King of glory. We see prophecy concerning Jesus the Christ, understanding that Jesus is the King of glory, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that he will reign forever on the throne of David. Psalms 149.2, let Israel rejoice in their maker, that the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord, who is king, takes delight in his people and crowns.
crowns the humble with victory. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is referring to to Jesus. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Look at Zechariah 2.10. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. So here we see God speaking of his coming in the form or in his son, Jesus the Christ, and living among Zion. Look at Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse number one. And they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at, at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to them that the Lord have need of them and he will send them right away. Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, saying, Daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coat, the fowl of a donkey. So here we see the fulfillment of the prophecy that was spoken in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Look at verse 6. Then the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them. And Jesus said on, A large crowd gathered, spreading their cloaks on the road, while they were cutting branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowd went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. So they recognized that he was the son of David, that he was who was prophesied that would come and sit on David's throne. They recognized him as being the one whom God would send, the Messiah that would come and redeem them, restoring Israel to its former glory. Matthew chapter 21, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. For you see, they were unwilling to accept him as the Messiah, as the king. Look at the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephraim, though you are the smallest among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will rule over Israel, whose origin are from old, from ancient time. So here again, we see he's from ancient times or from everlasting and to everlasting, the same as the order of Melchizedek having no beginning or no ending, but he will come and he will rule over Israel. Look at John's gospel, chapter seven, verse 42. Does the scriptures say that 
that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived. So you see here, it's letting us know that the Messiah is going to come from the town of Bethlehem and he will be a descendant of David. He is going to sit on David's throne as king. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Samuel to Saul. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out another man after his own heart and has appointed him ruler of his people because he because you have not kept the Lord's commands. He's saying to Saul, because you were not obedient to the commands of God and not obedient to the Lord God, that the the throne will not remain in your family line. They will not continue. It will not continue through your descendants. But the Lord have found someone who has a heart for him. He found David and David would become the next king. He was anointed to be the king and being anointed to be the king because his heart was a heart of of obedience before the Lord. God said that David's throne would last forever and that God's son would sit on the throne of David. Look here at Matthew chapter 2 verse 6. But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. God again sends a prophetic word that Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah and through the land of Bethlehem and that he would rule over the people of Israel. Look at Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi's from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is he? Where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So they came to worship Jesus, born in Bethlehem, Judah, for they even they knew that he was the king of the Jews. So here we have looked at prophecies concerning his office, that he would be all three. He would be prophet, he would be priest, and he would be king. And Jesus fulfilled all three of those offices. And he will come back and fulfill the office of reigning king. For the Bible declares that he will come riding on a white horse, and on his side is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. For he is our king and our Lord. He is our savior. And he did proclaim to us the gospel, the word, the will, the mind of our God so that we could receive the word of God and that we could grow in wisdom, in knowledge, in understanding of the word, the plan, and the purpose of God, that we would be reconciled in our relationship with God, that we would be restored that we would be redeemed, that we would be again in the image of the sons of God and that we would bring pleasure to God in that relationship. But it begins as we understand our need to accept what he has done and receiving the sacrifice that he made as our high priest 
receiving the counsel and the instructions he gave us through the word of God. We are now sons of God. And as he is, as Christ is in heaven, so are we in the earth. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to Empower for Life. If you're ready to shake off religion and tradition, to be, to do, and to have everything God purposed for you, then continue to tune in as we answer your questions and reveal to you the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. Feel free to email us your questions and prayer requests at EmpoweredForLifeTV at AOL.com. That's EmpoweredForLifeTV at AOL.com. Or visit us online at www.EmpoweredForLife.tv. Again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing the Word of God with you.